Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. John chapter 8. Uh, and this has kind of been our, um, this is have, has been our verse for the series. And it says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Verse 58, I love Jesus' response. He says, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. <laughs> I love that because in the next seven weeks, we're going to begin unpacking who Jesus is in his own words. Last week, we spoke about Jesus being the light, or rather, last week, we spoke about Jesus being the bread of life. And this week, we begin to speak out, speak about the part two of this series entitled, The Light of the world. I think it's important not to simply know about Jesus, but to know who Jesus is in his own words. Amen? And Jesus makes these I am statements. He says he has seven I am statements in the book of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. We got Brother Reuben preaching next week. He's going to preach the paint off the walls. Can someone join him in that clap, clapping all by himself? Can we just? <laughs> he is our youth a leader uh, in this uh, church community. And uh, we're going to be talking about I am the good shepherd. What does it mean when Jesus says I am the good shepherd? Also, I am the resurrection and the life. And one of my favorites, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. I thank God that Jesus can tell us in his own words who he is. So I want you to put on your calendars. Man, if you have any questions about Jesus, I want to challenge you for you to take this seven-week journey with us and say, you know what? I'm going to commit to being here on Sundays because I want to know who Jesus is in his own words. Amen? Let's go to John chapter 8 one more time, and we'll begin reading at the beginning of the text and it says and Jesus went to the Mount of Olives now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them and the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery and when they had set her in the midst they said to him teacher this woman was caught in adultery in the very act the message translation says red handed in the act of adultery. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, 
went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus left. I lost my place here. (laughs) Beginning with the oldest. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised raised himself up, saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. She said, he said, neither do I condemn you. Here's this, here's, here's, here's the phrase right here. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness Another translation puts it this way. It says, no one who follows me stumbles around in darkness, but has the light of life. Amen. I want you to write down today's sermon title, and we're going to speak about this sermon title entitled, I am the light of the world. Can you write that down for those of you taking notes? I want to recommend if you have your iPad, iPad, iPhone, i whatever, I want you to write down uh, this sermon title. I am the light of the world. Amen. Can we just bow our heads for a few moments and pray that God speaks to us with his word. Father, we thank you that you are speaking to us even right now. Through the heat, through the humidity, through the sweat, you are faithful. And you can speak into our hearts. I thank you, Lord, that this word is much more than information being disseminated. But it is your word that is alive and well today, speaking and dividing our hearts. Piercing our soul. That it is not just information, but it is transformation of the heart. I thank you so much, Jesus, because this this is our Father's Day here on earth but lord every day is our father's day to you because you are a good good father that's who you are and i thank you lord jesus that after 34 years of living i am i'm able to fit into some 36 skinny jeans pants in jesus name amen amen come on can we give god a praise in this house one more time cool out Woo! Uh, i want to I want to start by having a moment of transparency. They say the first step to recovery is admission. And so I would like us to have some class participation, if you will. And um, uh, the million dollar question is this. Have you ever been caught doing something wrong? No, you can raise your hands. Here we go. If you ever come on, raise them up high. Class participation. Have you ever been caught? Lift it up. Lift it up high. Come on. Let me see them. Let me see that. If you've ever been caught. Now, I want you to look around the room. Notice the hands that have not been raised. Those are the people that can't be trusted. I kid you not. I was preparing this message, and I asked my wife. I said, baby, you know, I'm preparing this message, and I want to kind of illustrate this thought because, uh, and I said, baby, uh, have you ever been caught doing something wrong, honey? And she starts giggling. (laughs) I'm like, the devil is a liar. And she starts giving. I'm like, baby, have you ever been caught doing something wrong? And she's like, (laughs) I'm like, baby, answer the question. And she's like, no, I've never been caught. Who did I just marry? And I said, baby, what do you you mean? 
I said, baby, what do you mean? She goes, listen, don't be asking questions you're not prepared to handle. And then we got to pray for her because she's never been caught, apparently. And, uh, but I, on the other hand, became a preacher because I got caught. Uh, I got caught, here it is, shoplifting. Have you ever been caught shoplifting? (laughs) You weren't supposed to raise your hands for that one. At the age of 15, you're a pastor, and thank God I got caught because now I retired my life of sin, and I no longer have the Tupac tattoo tatted on my stomach. That wasn't that funny, guys, right? Thank you guys on this side. And uh, I thank God that I was set free because at the age of 10, I began shoplifting, and I started in small places like the 99-cent store, and eventually I upgraded, and I started going to supermarkets, and I started going to big box Chain stores, you know what I'm talking about? You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And I, at the age of 15, I was already set. I had already stolen a couple of things. By the way, at Kuha, we don't condone condone stealing. This is 20 years ago. I was 15 years old, and I remember that at this moment in time, I saw what I wanted, and it was a Sony CD Walkman. You guys remember that? The Sony CD Walkman? The one that was shock absorbent? It's like, what? The kids are like, what's shock absorbent? You'll never understand the struggle. You had to buy the $120 one so that you won't... So there was this CD that you would put inside this device and it would play music. But I don't understand, Dad. I don't, I don't get it. You mean you don't have a thousand songs in one device? No. It was 16 tracks in one circular cylinder looking thing and you would put inside a device and it would skip if you did you know what I'm talking about and I remember I had my heart set on the Sony CD Walkman and of course I was on food stamps so I could not afford it and so I said to myself I want that I'm gonna get it it's $120 we're aiming big this time we're not going for no small stuff we're gonna go for the big stuff and so what did I do I I I went and I got my school bag and I left some of my school uh books in it because I needed to make sure that when I walked into the store it had around the same weight and no one would notice the disproportion of the weight inside the bag and so then I w- I wore my fake South Pole book bag my fake South Pole jacket with the 20 pockets you guys ever had that one the one with the 20 pockets because Because that was my attire when I would go. And I remember I set way to go to, not to the bank, don't get scared, it wasn't that high. I went to Kmart. And when I went to Kmart, I was on the bus, I used the Metro card, went went on the bus. And I remember I ran into my friend, Steve. Everyone say Steve. Mistake number one. I go and I see Steve and he's like, yo, where you going? And I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about, and I spill the beans. Mistake number one. I say, bro, I'm going to go to Kmart, and this is what I'm going to do, because when you start creating your empire of shoplifting, you got to recruit a team. And so he heard what I had to say, and he was like, yo, could I come? And I said, let me see your resume. And he was like, bro, 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 trust me, trust me, I'm good at this, I'll go with you. And he's like, I was like, all right, I'm going to let it rock. Let's put you to the test. Mistake number two. And so we go all the way to Kmart, and of course when I get to Kmart, I kind of like dance my way as if I'm invisible to the electronic aisle, right? And I'm at the electronic aisle and I open up my book bag and of course you got to get CDs for the CD player. And so you got to get the number one CD out at the time which was the Fuji's The Score, you know? No, anyway. And then I have to go to the other section, the pop section, so that I can get one of my favorite CDs of all time. Don't judge me. It is Michael Jackson history. All I want to say is that they don't really care about us. Some of you get that on the way home. 
all I want to say is that they don't... No, don't do it. <laughs> like, yo, those skinny jeans are really tight on him. And so I, I made sure that I got my Michael Jackson history CD. It was a double CD, and I wanted to listen to it with my CD. But the truth is that we never made it to the CD player because my friend Steve... Everybody say Steve. And Steve, if you're watching, you know it's your fault. I'm still bitter. And Steve comes to me running frantically, and he's like, he's like, yo, yo, Rolando. I'm like, what? He's like, bro, I think they caught me. Bro, I've never been caught. What do you mean? I've never been caught. I've been doing this for the last five years of my life. What do you mean I've never? What do you mean? He's like, bro, they came to me, and they, a guy, an attendant, looked at me, and he saw me putting CDs in my bag. My crime was about to go from shoplifting to something else. You know what I mean? And I remember, um, I said, bro, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to make our way outside the door. I see some of your faces. Don't judge me. Shut your mouth, all right? Cut it out. <laughs> some of you are judging me, and some of you are like, man, you did it all wrong, bro. See, what you should have done was this, and if you wouldn't, <laughs> look at Amir. He's like, yeah, I know how to do this. Thank God we're set free. God has changed our hearts, came okay, man. <laughs> Baby, you never got cooked. Stop it, all right? And so I said, hey, we're going to make our way out the door, right? So we start kind of, hey, how you doing? Hey, nothing's going on here. We make our way out the door, and let me tell you, it was not security guards waiting for us outside the door. It was police officers already waiting for us at the door, mistake number three. And we walk out the door, and the moment we walk out the door, whoop, whoop, they run after us, they grab us, they bring us to the back. They tell us we're going to jail. We're like, <laughs> you know, when you got the boogers coming out. It's like when some of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's kind of equivalent to the Holy Spirit touching you. <laughs> Jesus, I love you. And so it's in that moment, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to What's going to happen? 15 years old, I went from a thug to a crying baby. I just, oh, God, what's going to happen? And this is all your fault, Steve. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they bring us to the back, and they sh show us on the camera. And I don't know about you, like, you, you know you're bad when you get caught red-handed, and you still try to deny it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's me. I mean, he's an incredibly good-looking guy, but I don't know. I don't think that's me. And, and what they told me was that they were going to put my picture at the front of Kmart on Highland Boulevard. To this day, I didn't walk into Highland Boulevard until I grew this beard. And to this day, I walk into Highland Boulevard, Kmart, and I still remember that day that I got caught in the electronic se section stealing some CDs and on my way to steal a Walkman. I use that as an illustration because have you ever got caught? I'm talking about your, your, your hand in the cookie jar where you got caught red-handed. There's no denying it. I'm talking about when you send, I'm not talking about when you send a text to the wrong person and you can kind of uh, wiggle your way out of that. I'm talking about when you get caught red-handed. Your hand is in the cookie jar. They, it's on video. They got you front and center. Well, this is the text that we jump into today. We come into a text where a woman is caught red-handed. And, oh, it's not for something soft. No, no. She is caught red-handed. And the Bible says that the Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus. And what is her crime? She is caught in the act of adultery. She is caught red-handed. Could you imagine the conflict? Can you imagine how tense 
the situation is. As we enter this text today, what we are entering is a completely tense, stressful situation because this woman was caught red-handed and what is her disposition? She is no doubt crying. She is no doubt her face is in tears. Her eyes are watery. Her body is numb. Her hands are sweaty. She is petrified. Why? Because what awaits her is the punishment of death. See, what awaits her is nothing but darkness. What awaits her is nothing but punishment. What awaits her is death because at that time, if you were caught in adultery, you would be stoned to death. And just in case some of you guys are not clear about being stoned, I'm not talking about recreational purposes of being stoned. I am talking about physical rocks being thrown at your face. Revelation for some people. They're like, oh, okay. All right, Pastor O, thank you. And so... This is the situation that we walk into. We walk into a tense situation. But I love it because this is the context in which Jesus makes this declaration. He says, I am the light of the world. But what do you mean? In the darkest hour of this woman's life, Jesus could step into it and say, I am the light of the world. In the darkest hour where she is about to experience death, where they're dragging her by the hair where they're bringing her for judgment, Jesus steps into the situation and he says, I am the light of the world. Isn't it like Jesus to begin to declare the opposite of what your situation looks like? Isn't it like Jesus to walk into your darkness, walk into your mess and say, I am the light of the world? I I don't know if you know this Jesus, but the Jesus that I know, he'll step into your darkness and say, light, let there be. I know that the Jesus that I know can step into your brokenness and say, I am what can put you together. The Jesus that I serve is the Jesus that can say, hey, you might be sad right now, but I am the one that can bring you the joy of the world. Does anybody know this Jesus in this house that he can step into your mess and create a message that he can step into your fear and say you are more than a conqueror through me. He can step into your darkness and say I am the light of the world. Why? Because here's the truth. Darkness isn't anything by itself except the word we use to communicate The absence of light. Darkness doesn't have any power in it by itself for even the glimpse of a candle being lit can disperse darkness. See, sometimes we, Jesus doesn't doesn't step into the scene to condemn the darkness and to criticize the darkness and to protest the darkness and to damn the darkness. No, he, he comes into the picture to turn on the lights because when you turn on the lights darkness has to flee the writer of john communicates from the beginning of the scriptures he says john chapter one it says in him john chapter one in him was life and that life was the light of mankind the light shines in the darkness and darkness has not over coming. Oh, that'll make you preach right there. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I hear this, it it means to me that no matter how dark my situation looks right now, no matter how 
gloomy it looks right now, my situation, it doesn't matter because I'm not here to criticize the darkness. I'm not here to damn the darkness. I'm not here to condemn the darkness. You know what I'm here for? I'm here to turn on the lights in your life. I'm here to let my light shine so that you can see clearly everything that I have for your life. He says, darkness has no chance against the light. But it's in this setting where this woman is caught in adultery. Can you, can you kind of join me for a minute? What does it mean to enter this woman's shoes? Can you imagine for a moment the Pharisees and the scribes bring this woman caught in the act and they bring her to Jesus and she has no hope. She has no hope. She is sentenced to death. She is at her Her greatest nightmare just took place. What does it mean to be in the mind and in the life of a woman? Maybe at that moment, she was thinking, maybe it'll just be one kiss. Maybe it'll it'll just be one date. Maybe it'll just be one night. Maybe it'll just be one moment. But this woman is so empty and her life is so full of darkness that she is willing to experience the greatest amount of pain even to the point of death just for a moment of pleasure just for a moment where she can feel like she is loved by someone she is willing to experience the worst and she is willing to experience her own life simply to find value in someone else's and so they drag this woman to Jesus, and her worst nightmare takes place. I'm talking about she was caught in the act. She was caught in the act of adultery. Can you imagine? Maybe she was there and she was like, I know that, I know that if, I, if I continue to do this, my life would only end in death. It's only a matter of time until I'm caught. It's only a matter of time until I'm exposed. It's only a matter of time until my life leads to death. It's only a matter of time where my life is done with. It's only a matter of time. But what happens? It's in that moment that they break in the door. They grab her. At that time, women were considered second-class citizens, and they drag her through the corridors of criticism and through the corridors of condemnation because every single person that's looking at her may not be looking at her the way you're looking at her right now. You may be looking at this person and feeling bad for her and feeling uh, empathy for her, but no, they were looking at her in judgment and in condemnation and in criticism and they're looking at her. Yeah, that's it. She deserves it. She deserves every single stone that is thrown at her. She deserves every single bit of punishment. Yeah, let's expose her for the fraud that she is sleeping with another man's, uh, another woman's husband. Here, you're going to get everything that you deserve. You're going to get thrown stones at you until, because you deserve to die. And I love it because the light of God, watch this. The light of Jesus, while they meant to expose her failures, Jesus shined his light to empower her faith. Can we put that up? See, many of us think that God is the God of exposing your failures. And you think that God, the light of God is here to expose your failures. But I came to tell someone today that the God we serve didn't come onto earth to expose your failures, but he came to empower your faith. You know what he says? He doesn't say, oh, what happened? Good for you. Look at you. This is No, he says, hey, 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 hey. 
Go and sin no more. Where are your accusers? Where are those that criticize you? They're not here. Guess what? Go and sin no more. I came to empower your faith. I don't know about you, but have you ever been living in fear? I I was raised in a Pentecostal church. I don't know if anybody here knows exactly what I'm talking about, but I share a lot of empathy for you. You was raised with me in this setting. And I don't know about you, but uh, growing up in church, it was like I was petrified to go up to the altar call. Like I, I, would, I was petrified to go up to the altar call because I was scared to get exposed. I thought that if I didn't even make eye contact with the preacher. Dios te bendiga, pastor. God bless you, pastor. How are you? Okay, God bless you. See you later. Why? Because I was scared to be exposed. I didn't come. And oh my God, if they called me to the front, God, please. I was praying the whole way there. God, please, I'm sorry for whatever I did last night. Lord, I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have eaten that last taco. Father, I just pray, Lord, right now, please. God, whatever I did, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Just don't let him embarrass me in front of everybody. God, please. God, I beg you right now, one more time, God. This will be the last time. Last night was the last time, Lord. And just from now on, I will serve you for the rest of my days. A whole new world, Jesus, oceans. Any song you want me to sing to you, I will sing to you, God, just please. Why? Because I was scared to get exposed. And let's be honest. Christians are... Jesus' followers have been famous for thinking that the light of the world is meant to expose people's failures and just let them know what wrong they've done. Oh, you better, you better watch what you're doing because God will expose you. You better watch what you're doing because let me tell you, the preacher will come here and, huh, he'll be handing out some fist sandwiches to you. We call them cocotazos back in the day. He is ready to unleash and start handing out some whoopings from the altar because the light of the world is here to expose your failures. But I came to give you good news today that maybe the God you think Jesus' followers serve are, uh, are the, is the God that shines his light to expose your failures. But let me tell you something, that the gospel is the good news, which means that when Jesus shines his light, is not meant to expose your failures, but it's meant to empower your faith. Does anybody know this Jesus, that Jesus will step into a place to empower your faith, to let you know, you can now live the life that you ever, the better life that you've ever dreamed of. You can now live the life of purpose, the life of a future, the life with great plans that I have in store for you. He says, I am the light of the world. And I love it because stoops low and he comes down to where she is. And can you see the, can you see the control of Jesus? They come to him and they bring this woman that was caught in adultery and Jesus is completely unfazed. What are you going to do, Jesus? Because they came to not only expose her, but they came to try to expose him. See, they thought they were shining their light and they thought they were doing a good thing because they were legally in their right. But Jesus is completely unfazed by their accusation. And not only that, Jesus is completely unfazed by her sin. And he begins to write on the floor and he writes The Bible says on the ground that was full of dust. Because here's the truth, that when God created you, he created you out of the dust of the ground. And I love it because to me it's a picture that God is still writing your story. See, you see her as an adulterer 
and you think that that will be the end of her story. So you're trying to condemn her to kill her, but you don't understand there's more life in her yet. And guess what? I keep writing her story and you might come here to condemn her, but I came to care for her. You might come here to reject her and ridicule her, but I came here to restore her. I still am writing her life story. There's more to her. Listen, he is unfaithful. I love it because, you know, sometimes we get all scared about what Jesus has to, like, we get, we think that we get Jesus, like, Jesus is, like, completely shocked with our sin. Like, like oh, my, oh, like, we, like, 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 God is, Jesus is, she did what? Keke? You, you did what? He doesn't even recognize her weakness. He doesn't even address her weakness. He doesn't even address her failures. He only points her to her future. And oftentimes we think that when we come to Jesus, no matter what condition we come to Jesus with, we think that Jesus somehow has to get over our sin. We think that somehow Jesus is going to somehow be thrown off guard and he's going to be thrown in a rage. Oh my God, Michael, did you see what Shaquita did? Did you see? Oh my God, how am I going to fix this mess? Again? Really? Really? Again? And we think that God is this completely emotional God that goes and throws tantrums because we have failed. Can I be honest with you? Your failures don't surprise God. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I think I came to set someone free here today. And maybe you look at your failures and you see and your weaknesses and you think that they stop you from entering God's presence. And you think that God will have to somehow get past your failures before he can address your future. But I want to tell you today that when God shines his light in your life, all darkness has to be dispersed. Jesus doesn't even address her failures. Is it like human nature? Like, I, don't, I want God to address my failures. Because I like feeling good for feeling bad for the bad that I've done. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I, feeling bad for the bad or feeling good for the bad that I've done doesn't make me feel good. I want to feel bad for the bad that I've done. But God doesn't even address it. He doesn't even address it. He doesn't say, okay, here's what we need to do. I'm going to give you a book. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put you in discipline for two years. And when you get your life together, then you can come follow me. You know what he says? He says, hey, where are your accusers? And he says this. She says, no, they're nowhere, Lord. They're gone. And you know what he says? He says, neither do I accuse you. In other words, here's the only voice that matters in your life. It's mine. Neither do I accuse you. You need to hear that today, that God is looking at you today and God is looking at your situation, but not to speak into your failures, but he wants to speak into your future. He didn't come to expose your failures, but he came to empower your faith. If you believe that in this house, give God some praise all over this room. See, it's it's crazy because, because we think That somehow our failures can somehow overcome God's faithfulness. But I came to tell you today that where sin abounds, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says where sin abounds, grace abounded all the more. Wait, what? Wait, well, well, sin abounds, grace abounded all the more. What what does that mean in the Greek? It means all the more. Where, Where sin abounds, grace abounded all the more. It's, sometimes we think that, 
there's a competition between our failures and our sins and our shortcomings, uh, between our failures and God's cross. We think that there's that where sin abound, uh, grace was a formidable opponent. Where sin abound, grace was able to handle its own. No. You know what God does when your failures come into the picture? You know what God does when the noise of your sin comes bleeding through the speakers? He raises the volume of his grace so loud that it completely eradicates and drowns out the noise of your sin. God says, I came in to raise the volume of my grace. I came in to shine the light of my love. And it will monumentally overcome any failure that you can bring to me. Where sin abounded, grace much more about it. And it's no, it's not giving a license to sin. It's actually giving you a license to live free. Say like now you can live the kind of life you were trying to live with all the rules and the regulations. Now you can live this life because of relationship. See, at Christ Uncensored, we're not here to promote a religion. We're here to introduce you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you enter a relationship with Jesus Christ, see, the law was able to show you your sin, but was absolutely incapable of showing you how to stop from sinning. But Jesus comes into the picture and he says, these rules and regulations will only expose you, but my relationship with you empowers you to live the kind of life you can never live without me. If you believe that in this house, give God some praise. He says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Every time the enemy comes to remind you of your past, remind him of his future. Anytime the enemy comes to remind you of your failures, let him know that there is a lake of fire that awaits him and his demons because he's trying to sabotage your future by you believing the lie that you are exposed in failure. He wants to shine, Jesus wants to shine the light that eradicates all darkness in your life. And he says to her, you can sin no more. He says, go, now you can live this life. But I was caught red-handed. I was caught red-handed, Jesus. You know, I was looking up the term red-handed, and it is a term that was founded in Scotland to explain someone who had just committed murder, and the blood was still in their hands. And so they coined this phrase, caught red-handed. The message translation says this woman was caught red-handed in adultery. But I love it because look at the imagery here. Because in a few moments, the only hands that would be red would be the ones that were placed on the cross of Calvary. (laughs) See, because even though she was destined to death, he's saying, my daughter, you don't longer have to die because in a few moments, I'm going to climb a cross for you. And they think they're going to murder me, but I'm going to be the one that's caught red-handed because no one has taken my life. I've taken it up on myself and I laid it down for all humanity. Daughter, I'm the one that is caught red-handed. If you believe that in this place, give God some praise all over this room. Number two, write this down. The light of the world is not a guilt trip. It's a guide for your journey. Maybe that's what you came here for. Maybe you just need a guide in your life. Maybe you don't know how to navigate through life itself and you, you go to work every day and you have your family and you have your children, but you still don't know where you're going. 
And maybe you have an understanding of what they told you you needed to have and what T's you needed to cross and what I's you needed to dot. And maybe you are still lost. And oftentimes when we have come to church, what they have served us is a big basket of a guilt trip. And we think that our journey with God is a trip of guilt. And so we trip up all the time. Hashtag bars. And so we're tripping over our guilt every single time in our guilt trip. And we think that the way to serve God is by feeling guilty enough and bad enough, bad enough of the stuff that we are involved in. And so we need to make sure that we're doing and our motivation is guilt when we should be letting Jesus guide our way. See, what we don't know in this context, and the Bible doesn't say it, but during this time, it was the Feast of Tabernacles. And I just want to give you some background here. During the Feast of Tabernacles, what the people of Israel would do is that they would have these festivals and they would have these traditions that would uh, commemorate what God did for them during the time that they left Egypt, during the time that God delivered them from Egypt. And it's during that time that what they did was they would take these candles. They were these enormous candle holders. All the women in the house are like, oh, awesome. There were these enormous candles inside the temple. And these enormous candle holders will then light up through candles the whole entire temple. But not only the entire temple, it would light up all of Jerusalem. It's in this setting that people would use these candles to acknowledge the fact that God delivered them in the land of Egypt and was a guide for their life. A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so they light up these candles to say, God is our guide. We follow him. But it also presented a, a, a compass to the people in the land of Israel. See, like we take light for granted because we walk everywhere and everywhere there's light. But during that time, light was minimal. The only light that there was was lanterns and candles. And uh, if you didn't have light, you were completely saturated in darkness. And so it's in this setting where um, what they would do is that they would light up the candles and if you were lost in Jerusalem, you would just look towards the temple and the temple will serve as a guide for the people of Israel and they would now look at the temple and know way th way where they were because of the light that was shining and emanating through the temple. And so Jesus says, I am the light of the world in the backdrop of the people seeing the candles that had just been lit and put out for the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's almost as if Jesus is saying to his crowd, he's saying, listen, those lit up and served as a guide for Jerusalem, but I am the light of the world. He's saying, he's saying hey, you see, the cloud, it was cute. The pillar, it was cute. Those little candles that you got from Beth and, Beth and Body, what, what is it? Anyway, forget it. Those little candles that you got, they're cute, but I'm greater than the candle. I'm greater than your tradition. See, because they serve as a guide of Jerusalem. But let me tell you something. I'm not the light of Jerusalem. I'm the light of the world. <laughs> and you need to get to me, and you need to allow me to shine light in your 
dark world so that you can walk in all that I had for you, so that you can see the plans I have for you. You can try to guide your life on your own, but you need to allow my light to shine in your life so that it can serve as a guide for your journey. Guess what? You're going to know what college you need to go to. You need to know what job you need to take. You need to know what person you need to marry. Hello. You need to know how to treat your kids, and oftentimes we want to do all these things, get ready, in the dark. But Jesus is saying, it's no wonder why humanity is so lost at times, because we want to do things in the dark. And God is saying, I am a guide to your journey. And how is it that we can try and attempt to live a kind of life that God wants us to live in the dark? Uh, As a kid, we played this game called El Hombre Ciego. How creative. The blind man. How creative. We put a bandana around our head and we had to grab someone. I think they call it Marco Polo, something like that now. We did it first. And so we would walk around with our eyes covered and we could not see. It was complete dark. And how many of you ever woke up in the middle of the night in the dark and kicked the bed on the corner? There's no pain like corner bed pain. No, no pain like corner bed pain. And when you kick the bed you begin to increase your vocabulary somehow and say things that you would normally not say in church. Some may call it speaking in tongues. Some may call it explicitories. And, you know, I had, this, I had this image. How often the actions we take in the dark hurt ourselves. And you know what God showed me? God showed me that so often the actions we take in the dark end up hurting ourselves. And we become so ashamed. Watch the cycle. We become so ashamed of the actions that we caused upon ourselves. And now we're so ashamed that we don't walk, want to walk into the light so we stay in the dark to hide it. Because as long as we are in the dark, we will never be exposed to the humiliation and to the embarrassment that this woman caught in adultery is experiencing. And so often we are caught in the middle of the dark, taking actions upon actions, hurting ourselves. And maybe you're here today and you are walking around wounded and you're so fearful to step into the light of Jesus or to allow Jesus to step into your world because you are afraid of being exposed and you are afraid. But he says, if you walk in my light, you will never stumble in darkness. I wonder how many times we get tripped up and it's simply because we don't see what's ahead of us. As the worship team comes, he says, she said, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He begins to speak life into her dark world. And he is the light of the world. But Kuhau, I want to be honest with you today. He wants to become not just the light of the world. He wants to become the light of your world. He wants to become the light of your world. He wants to shine in your dark places, not to expose your failures, but to empower your faith, not to send you on a guilt trip, but to allow you to walk and to be a guide for your journey. And this woman is walking in the dark and watch this. The first thing that comes out of God's mouth ever recorded in the biblical narrative is this. Let there be light. Y'all missed it right there. The first thing that comes out of the mouth of your God is this. Let there be light. The Bible says that in the beginning, the earth was formless. That in the beginning, 
the earth was empty. And in the beginning it said darkness covered everything. When I look at this woman, her world was formless. When I look at this woman, her world is empty. And when I look at this woman, darkness is covering everything. But Jesus says, let there be light. I said, Jesus says, let there be light. Jesus steps into the scene and he says, let there be light. I don't know who I came to speak to today, but maybe your scenario seems formless. Maybe your world right now seems empty, but Jesus could walk into your darkness and say, let there be light. Is there anybody in this place that can say that Jesus is the light of my world today? Can we get up on our feet for a moment? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.